Welcome to Fantasy Football Today Dynasty. I am your host, Heath Cummings, and Dan is back. Welcome back, Dan Schneier. It has been, have you been on once since the season started, man? You were a staple of this show when the show began, and now here you are again, blessing us with your presence this fine, final <laughs> Tuesday of November. How are you? How have you been? I'm doing great today, Heath, and I'm excited to be back on. I love being on this show. We've talked about this bunch off pod during the season. It's definitely a little tougher. There's a lot going on uh, on our end, and we've had a few things, few changes on staff and things like that that have really complicated the year. But you know what? You asked me yesterday. I was like, let me clear it up with everybody that needs to that needs to know. Is it okay if I take off this hour? And the answer was yes. I was like, you're damn right. I'm joining the show because I'm excited to talk with you. And some of the players we're going to talk about today, I actually just got a chance to watch some film on for Beyond the Box Score yesterday. So I'm excited to talk about some of that as well. It's an interesting time in Dynasty. There's a lot going on in all the leagues I'm in right now. Um, and I am in a position where, you know, in Bake Burger, I'm getting a lot of heat because I forgot to set a lineup or two here. And that is on me. And I have apologized since for that. But looking at that league, I'm excited. And I'm not going to fold on that league because I already picked up a first round pick extra, a trade that you gave me credit for, Heath, at the time, that, that Kincaid trade. So still think there's some promise there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, and I want to make it clear to everybody who's been listening to the show and been missing Dan. I've been asking Dan to come on semi-regularly. Yeah, it's a problem. It's, but similarly to when I send him trade offers in any of our Dynasty Leagues, he's been saying no. Uh, <laughs> on today's show, we have deep waiver wire ads. And there are some interesting names. Justin Watson, Devontae Parker, Dearness Johnson. I know Dan is a Dearness Johnson guy. He was talking about him this offseason. We've got rankings risers, Jaden Reed, Rasheed Rice, Kyron Williams, and other guys. We're not going to talk fallers because I have a new segment at the end of the show, basically called uh, by Dynasty Buy Low, Contender Buy Low, or It's Over. You can see, like Adam Azer, I named these segments very well. Uh, we're going to answer your tweet and chat questions later in the show. So don't put them in the chat now, YouTube. I'm not going to see them later. I'll tell you when to put them in the chat and we will answer your questions. And then, you know, we've got Dan on for the first time in so long. So I wanted to ask him about some things that I know that Dan really knows a lot about. First off, we've got to talk about the Giants because Dan watches more Giants film than anybody. Any human probably. should. Any human should. For sure. Probably some, maybe more than some former Giants coaches <laughs> have. But first, we have to ask Dan about tanking because... Dan also knows a lot about tanking, as you've maybe heard on the other FFT podcasts <laughs> this year. And we did get an email from a listener, and I'm, I'm not supposed to use his name, so I, I won't. But uh, he had lots of questions. I'm going to answer some of those offline. But he did have a question about tanking. He just set up a new league, and he's trying to figure out what the right rule should be and then what the penalty should be for breaking that rule. And I thought, Dan, as someone who's really been on the other side of this for the last couple of weeks and taking a lot of heat last week. It sounds like the mailbag was a really difficult situation for you. <laughs> and so I, I just, I, I want to get your perspective. Like what, what do you think, should there be any tanking rules? Cause I know some people say none at all. What should the tanking rule be? And then how do we enforce it? How do we have a tanking rule without having a situation where the commissioner has to go check four teams lineups right. every week? Right. Yeah, that's the issue with it. The manual work and something like in a, in some of my homely in homely, for example, we used to manually police things on Yahoo, for example. And when we just said, you know what, whatever Yahoo allows, we allow because there's no time for us to manually police this. I feel the same about Dynasty. I don't really think you should. I, I personally believe in I'm more of in the camp of the no rules for the tanking type of thing. Now, I will say this. Someone presented an, uh, an option that I think actually works the best, Heath, which is 
Okay, no longer do you have to have your commissioners police the tanking teams. You just have draft order decided by best ball score points for a team. Right. So you have the order of who scored the most and who scored the least in best ball scoring. And that's how I do it. And actually one dynasty league I'm in. And, and I've now experienced that for two years. And you know what, Heath, I like it. I think it's a fair way to do it. And it really does put a lot of pressure on those tanking teams to make moves, right? Like if they have a guy, like for example, and, and I'm in one of those leagues, one of the tanking teams I'm competing, it was, I'm actually tanking in that league as well. I'm tanking in three leagues right now, but it was between me and one other guy. We were neck and neck and he had Gus Edwards on his team on a best ball roster. And we were using the best balls. What, what I just said, where mm -hmm. it's not like if you bench bet Gus, Edwards, there's no benching. It's best ball scoring. So he had to literally trade Gus Edwards. He traded him for a fourth round pick, which was insane. Everyone's like, this is not fair to the league, but he's like, I don't care. I want this guy off my roster. He's scoring two touchdowns a week in best ball scoring. So I kind of like that way better. I think if you're going to set up a new league, maybe make it to, to your, your anti-tanking rule could be as simple as we're using best ball scoring. Worst to worst to most points gets the best draft. Uh, I think that works in a best ball league. I don't think there are too many yeah. sites, maybe one, maybe two, where you can play a league that's not a best ball league and still have access to what the best ball scoring or total available points sure. would be. So, yeah, that I, I get that. Um, I'm moving more and more towards just no tanking rules because of the pain yeah. that it has become. Or we need to have a fine system. I think maybe it's it's a dollar or five dollars or whatever for every time that you start someone that was illegal to start. But and even we'll, under that system, Heath, you're requiring people to police them and total and tally up how many times they've done this. And, you know, it's still you don't lose. You don't you still have. The I, police I think it will be easier, though, because it's your opponent is going to be very happy to say or in our YOLO league, it's you and Jack Capitorto or the two tankers. I know. And yeah. occasionally I have to send one or both of you a message saying, please fix this. <laughs> and I know like sometimes I do that. I send you a message because Jack has sent me a message and said, Dan's, Dan, Dan needs a sideline. That happened one time. <laughs> um, but the, the point is, I think the rest of the league might police that more if there's money going into the pot that's going to be won sure. at the end. And so I, I do kind of like that. But this... This idea that we currently have where you must set a lineup, but there's no penalty if you don't, it's just the commissioner is going to go change it, is an absolutely awful system. It will yeah. not stand for any league that I am the commissioner of moving forward into 2024. We do have the real three questions for Dan. And of course, they're all about the Giants because <laughs> Dan knows the Giants. Where do you rank Jalen Hyatt in this rookie wide receiver class, just splashed with his first real big game of the season. Now, in fairness, he probably won't have Tommy DeVito moving forward for the rest of his career. So I'm not sure he's going to have somebody that throws the ball downfield as much as he had <laughs> here recently. But where do, where do you rank Hyatt in Dynasty? Hyatt's definitely a wide receiver who's moved up my dynasty rankings. He uh, joins Pank Dell, who's moved up, and Rasheed Rice. Those are my those are my three biggest movers from the preseason dynasty rankings to now. Currently, I have Tank Dell as actually my first ranked wide receiver in this rookie class. Mm -hmm. JSN number two, Zay Flowers three, Jordan Addison four, Rasheed Rice five, and then I have Jalen Hyatt uh, in a range just above. Jaden Reed, Downs, Tillman, Wilson, and Mims, who I have pretty much grouped together. I think you Hyatt. forgot somebody. Oh, crap. Did I forget somebody? You forgot Puka Nakua. Oh, I did forget Puka Nakua. That was a mistake. Okay. <laughs> Let me re-rank these. Um, and even with everything I know, Heath, this is going to sound really controversial, but I'm going to put Puka five. 
just okay. above Rashi Rice and Jalen Hyatt. And even that, I don't feel particularly comfortable with. I don't know right now if I would trade Rashi Rice for Buka Nakua, to be completely honest. Um, you know, and I don't even know what that future quarterback situation looks like. I don't even know if I trust Puka Nakua to stay healthy for a full season at the NFL level. Never really did it at the college level. I know he was nice at the beginning. Um, as far as Hyatt goes, though, the reason he's moved up my rankings is not just because he had this 100-yard game. It has to do with what I've seen on tape. There are traits that Hyatt has that he's now displayed at the NFL level that he did not display at the, ten- at, at the, at the collegiate level of Tennessee. And throughout the entire process, Heath, when we broke him down on Big Blue Banter, my Giants podcast, we always said with Hyatt, it wasn't a matter of what he can't do. It was a matter of he just hasn't shown he can do it. He wasn't asked to do a lot of mm-hmm. things in that Tennessee offense. So now when you watch it at the NFL level, the concentration, the ability to make those toe-tapping ta- uh, catches on the sideline consistently does, how he consistently extends away from his frame and hands catches the football. He's not a body catcher like a Quinton Johnson type. He's a true natural hands catcher. So there's still things we haven't seen at the NFL level, right? Like most of his routes have still been verticals or uh, backside drags and things of that nature. We still haven't seen the full route tree, but the things that we have seen have been incredibly exciting. His ability to tempo his routes, his concentration and body control in the air on the vertical plane. These are all things that are like, yeah, you saw it at Tennessee, but now you're seeing it at the NFL level. And you mentioned like, yeah, he may not have a quarterback who throws downfield to him. And that's a fair assessment. But on the flip side of that, it's like the dude racked up a hundred yards with Tommy DeVito as his quarterback. Like, you know, that is a pretty exciting thing when you consider that Tommy DeVito is an undrafted free agent and right. most likely relegated to a backup if he's if at best in his career. So I just think Hyatt's shown some things traits wise that have, that have led me to move him up my rankings. Yeah, he, he's um, he's not moved up that high for me. I think that the thing when you're ranking these wide receivers, there's a clear top five in whatever order you want to put Puka and Tank and JS in and Addison and Flowers. Th- those guys are the top five. I would prefer Rice and Reed for sure. I don't know what you do with Quinton Johnston at this point. And then I think you, you, you put him in like I, I know things haven't gone quite as well for Marvin Mims. But I'm not sure that I, I'm ready to put him ahead of Marvin Mims. Just I like Mims quite a little bit more beforehand. And I think the things that Jalen Hyatt has shown us that he can do, Marvin Mims, we know, can do. Um, so the, he's in that group. I do worry a little bit with those guys that they get cast into that Gabe Davis, George Pickens, maybe even Christian Watson situation where they're going to be really good once every three or four weeks and good luck figuring out when that's going to be. Giants question number two. In a better situation, can Saquon Barkley still be a league winner? He has, I mean, mediocre, I would say, over the last month of the season would be a a fine way to describe him. I do not anticipate him being a league winner the rest of the year this year. And now you're talking about an age 27 Saquon going into next year, and we don't actually know which team he's going to be playing for. Does Saquon Barkley still have it? I think he does. The tape sh- shows that he does, and he's done some things lately, even though it, you're right, it hasn't been his best stretch. He's done some things in the passing game lately that have been pretty exciting. They're finally getting him involved a little bit more there. I'm surprised it took them so long, but getting him matched up in one-on-ones. And part of that is, will he face more man coverage? And he has been lately, which is another questionable thing about, you know, why are the Giants, you know, able to take these whole shots and these deep shots with DeVito, but they weren't Jones. And why are they seeing more man coverage? Things like that, things like that. But as far as where he's going, I think it's likely Heath that he does actually return to the Giants at this point. And the reason I say that is Joe Shane 
has made it clear twice now that, you know, they weren't even considering trading Barkley at the deadline, despite trading one of their defensive captains and leaders, Leonard Williams, for a second round pick at the deadline. So it's not like he was saying the Dave Gettleman style of like, I don't care that we're out of it. We're still not trading our players and trying to play for next year. He was with Leonard Williams. So I think Barkley will be a giant and but then it's a matter of like how fast can the situation improve around him. And as the Giants continue to win games this year, Heath, it becomes less likely in my opinion and less clear that they can improve the situation around him because it means less likely they get the quarterback they need right. in the draft. And more importantly, you know, how much longer are we going to have to wait for him to run behind a good offensive line? It's been his entire career. It hasn't happened. So it seems like it's not on them. It's not in the peripheral. So I would say lean toward no to answer that question. I, I, I'm mostly agreeing, and I, I think like he doesn't quite belong in that contender by low or it's over conversation, but he's not far from it at all. Final question, is, is there, and, and this, this is a sensitive is one, this is, this is a sensitive one, but <laughs> is, is there any reason at all to hope for Daniel Jones in 2024 or ever? <laughs> yeah, so this is the one that is definitely going to get me killed if any of the people who listen to my Giants, but not any, I should say not any, like there are a lot of people who are realists when it comes to Daniel Jones and the Giants, but there are some that if you say anything bad about the guy, you are labeled as a hater. And so I have always strived since I joined this industry, Heath, to just try to be as objective as I can and tell the truth. And so I will in this scenario. And, and for me, I'm at the point where the answer is no, um, as far as the Giants go. And as far as fantasy football goes, because the reason I'm not there with the Giants is this. Daniel Jones is a really slow processor post-snap. Right. One of the slowest processors. The only one who I watch regularly who is a slower post-snap processor is Justin Fields. I think anyone can attest who watched the Vikings-Bears game last night on Monday Night Football, just how slow Justin Fields is processing back there in the pocket. And when you're a slow processor, you can't throw with anticipation. You can't oftentimes recognize the space on the field and where you're going to want to throw to lead a receiver into space. And these are all mental issues that I don't see Daniel Jones fixing just randomly after five, six years, because they date back to his career at Duke. That's when you first saw it on tape, those slow eyes, that slow processing, the physical traits are there for Jones, but physical traits don't really matter. If you can't catch up mentally in the NFL as a quarterback, the processing really is number one and nothing really comes close to it. As far as quarterback play goes, you see this across the board with every quarterback who fails and who succeeds. Now, from a fantasy standpoint, Nick, I mean, I'm sorry, I, was, I just called you Nick, my co-host from the Big Blue Panther. That's how much Daniel Jones. That's okay. People in the back. people in the chat are calling you Jacob because of uh, apparently what was an incredible impersonation <laughs> that I incredible. missed. He crushed but it. I'll have to I'll have to listen to that. He crushed that one, and my impression of him wasn't as good. But from a fantasy standpoint, it's a little more interesting, Keith, because. The Giants, as they win games now, they have four wins, are less likely to be in position to draft a quarterback. So then it's like, wait a second, Daniel Jones might be starting again in 2024. They might not have another option. And maybe they do ultimately take one in round two or three. But even if they do, that quarterback is no guarantee to start over Daniel Jones in 2024 as a rookie. One of the top picks would, like a Drake May or Caleb Williams, sure. But a guy after that, I'm not so yeah, sure. So. I think he could have a like what we've seen, and this is gonna we're gonna get into the big news in just a yeah. minute, and this will be one of those news items. But the 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 run we've seen here recently from Joshua Dobbs, where he mattered in fantasy football and was a low end number yeah. one quarterback. I think that's like the hope that I have is that maybe Daniel Jones gives me another four to six week stretch like what Dobbs has. Let's get into that big news. Frank Reich fired, Josh McCown fired. Deuce Staley fired. Um, they can't, you can't fire the owner in Carolina, so I'm not <laughs> sure that things are going to get a lot better. But I just wonder, like, it's been a really 
really difficult start for Bryce Young. And they didn't give him a lot of help. They didn't have a great, very good offensive line. Adam Thielen's his really only professional wide receiver right now. Now there's going to be a new coach. There's going to be a new system going into next year, whatever that's going to be. I have a hard time believing one of these young offensive geniuses is going to want to go to the place where they've had six coaches in the last four years. But maybe. Um, how, how Do you have any hope for Bryce Young right now? Great question. Not really. He, um, I mean, here's the thing. I, I hate going back and just erasing my thoughts on a player pre-draft. But sometimes I feel like you have to at the NFL level because I think sometimes you can just see that things are not clicking the way they're supposed to be clicking. And I remember we talked quarterbacks on that great podcast, me, you and Matt Waldman and Matt Waldman. And we discussed the quarterback class and Matt was not as high on Bryce Young as most people were. And I remember hearing his analysis on it and thinking a little bit more about it and thinking about some of the things that he was able to get away with from a post snap processing uh, perspective at the collegiate level may not work at the NFL level. And that's pretty much been the case for Bryce Young. And you know what, Heath, sometimes I boil it down to something very simple, but I do, I do, I do believe in, I think when you're that short of a quarterback, it is really hard to see over the offensive line and utilize the middle of the field. We have very few examples of short quarterbacks working in the NFL. Russell Wilson did it, but even he struggles to see over the middle of the field, and he did it only really successfully when he was in a run-first offense using play action and shots on the outside numbers. Okay. Is, Drew Brees is the – okay, go ahead. No, I mean, we, this is a – I've been doing a lot of uh, Russell Wilson defending okay. this season, so I just think we need to give a little bit more respect to the greatest dual-threat quarterback in NFL history. I get it, but like, is it not true what I said that he he did it? He was. I think the difference between offense. him and Bryce Young. Oh, there's a you lot. See, you see it on the. I mean, there's a lot of them, obviously, yeah. but um, his his deep ball ability, but also sure. like Russ running for 35 yards a game at 35 years old, and Bryce Young's just doing nothing right. with his legs. And he yeah. a lot of what what Russell Wilson did with his legs, it didn't. You're right. He didn't have to see over the offensive line because he was scrambling around for 10 minutes and then finding somebody 50 yards downfield um, like th those things. But it wasn't just that he was in a run heavy system or that made things easier for him. He created a lot of that for himself was the only thing I was pushing back. He on. did create a lot of that for himself. And I want to give Russ credit. He was unbelievable. But I also think that when they have tried to use a pass first system with him, it hasn't looked as great just because, you know, you don't, what are you going to do when you have a five, you know, a sub six foot quarterback running a shotgun pass first system and he can't see over the middle, he can't right. see over the offensive line. And I think that's been the problem for Bryce Young at times. They don't have a strong run game. They're not able to use these deep five, seven step drops off play action, max protect, take a shot. And like you said, part of it is also he doesn't have that kind of deep ball that Russell Wilson has. And he did have creativity at Alabama. He did throw the anticipation, he threw into space, but we're not seeing a lot of that. And the only one I've ever really seen process really well as a short quarterback is Drew Brees, to be completely honest with you from right. just the past first standpoint. So I worry about Bryce Young long-term and it is changing how I evaluate quarterbacks, Heath, because if I'm looking at these short five, 10 to six foot quarterbacks who are slight build, slight frame build, um, they're going to need to have what you just said, Russell Wilson or Kyler Murray's athleticism and creativity and ability to throw downfield. If they don't have those three things, then I'm no longer going to be interested if there's just a processing type quarterback because that's what Bryce Young was at Alabama. He saw the field well post-snap. He threw into space. He threw the anticipation, but he didn't really rely on his athleticism or his arm talent, in my opinion, that much. So we'll do one uh, quick edition of buy low for contender or it's over. And this can just be a, a, a one sentence answer. But uh, Adam Thielen, Carolina Panther, has been still a wide receiver 12 for the season. Scored 15 <laughs> fantasy points in week 11. 
saw three targets, caught one of them for two yards last week. Right. Contender buy low or it's over. I like contender buy low for really cheap right now. You can get them really cheap. Yeah, I think if you you can offer a third round pick, yes. And if you're really, and that's exactly what I'd be trying to do. Go go get him for a third, and then maybe that turns into Tank Dell or Puka Nakua next year. Probably not. Most of those Probably turn into not. nobody. That's why we don't talk about them and why people give them away. Yeah. Uh, the other big news, and I don't know how big a news it is, but Thomas Schaefer's here, so it's big news. The Vikings are going to maybe make a quarterback change over the bye. They're, they're going to they're gonna look at their quarterback situation a little bit further. How confident do you feel if you're in a super flex league and Joshua Dobbs has been your number two quarterback? And I think it was last week, Jamie Eisenberg called him a fantasy savior, and he's not lying. He has been a fantasy savior. How confident do you feel that he's going to be, A, the starter in the fantasy playoffs, and B, someone you can actually start? I think 70% confident he'll be the starter for Minnesota. I think he did some things on that final drive, and I just think he needs a little bit more time in the system, and he's still a more talented quarterback than the other two. I mean, we're talking about Nick Mullins. Like, we can't be – like, without without Kyle Shanahan, I don't like the, the sound of that. But as far as fantasy playoffs go and your fantasy lineup, two QB league, super flex, I feel confident in it. Anything else than that, I don't. I like the the quote comment here from Andrew uh, Dobbs is better when he doesn't know the playbook. I I don't think that's <laughs> actually true, but he has been remarkable when he when he's known the playoffs. I, I still think when he gets Justin Jefferson back, he has a chance. He didn't run as much last night, and that was disappointing. I, I think he still has a chance to be a borderline top twelve quarterback rest of the season. Let's take a quick break, and then we'll get into the deep dynasty waiver wire. We have a couple quarterbacks here, Dan, that uh, sub 5% roster rate on CBS. And I think a pretty decent chance that they're going to start games either this week or in the very near future. Bailey Zappi is 3% rostered. Joe Flacco is 1% rostered. You're in a deep dynasty super flex league. Which of these guys would you rather add? Joe Flacco, without a doubt. And that doesn't even mean I'm excited about Joe Flacco. It just shows my level of disdain for watching. I just watched Bailey Zappi on tape last week against the Giants. That was one of the worst quarterback performances I've ever seen. The first six throws he made were all behind the line of scrimmage, except for two, which were one in three air yards. Then he tried a 10-yard comeback, and the ball died at the receiver's feet. He does not have NFL-level arm talent whatsoever, Bailey Zappi, and they don't trust him to throw. So for a fantasy standpoint, he doesn't run. He doesn't have an arm. I don't see how he can ever be worth starting in fantasy. Um, so he's completely ruled out for me. Joe Flacco, <laughs> that one's interesting, Heath, because even last year when he played, the dude was like throwing 300 yards. I know it was like right. on 70,000 attempts or whatever it was. Yeah, like, he won't get 70,000 attempts playing for the Browns. Right, and he won't get those attempts playing for the Browns. But um, slight edge for Joe Flacco, but no real excitement over either. Yeah, I've, I've got a little bit more excitement for Flacco. Mostly what I'd really like to see on Wild Card Weekend is Joe Flacco at Baltimore and oh, Gardner yeah. Minshew at Jacksonville. That would That's be fun. a fantastic Saturday That's afternoon. Fun. Maybe neither one of those games is getting to Sunday. Let's go to running back because there is a guy that you were excited about this summer. I think if anybody listened to you and picked him up, they probably dropped him during the first two months of the season when he barely saw the field. But Dearness yep. Johnson, the last couple of weeks, has looked really good. I feel pretty confident that if something happens to Travis Etienne, Dearness Johnson's going to see maybe 15 touches per game. He's 4% rostered. Is that somebody who you'd like to have on your bench? And is it only if you have Etienne or would you just like to have him on the bench anyway? No, I'd like to have him on the bench anyway. And I think you did a great job breaking down. Heath, that he's one of the few situations we have where if there was an injury to that top guy, he does 
in my opinion, profile to have a lot of touches. And you could see it just in the way they've used him and versus the way they've used Tank Bigsby as the season's gone on. And as you mentioned, Heath, he looks good. He passes the eye test. When you watch him, he creates yards after contact. He creates force missed tackles. He's explosive runner. He really has been his entire career. And he offers you something in the passing game as well. I just think Darren Johnson is the type of talent that's worth rostering in Dynasty, regardless of the situation. And this isn't the worst situation, by the way. Like you said, I mean, Travis right. again has an injury history, has foot issues that have plagued him in the past. He's been healthy this year, but... He had at least one scare that he came right back into the game from, but you just, it's worth rostering in my opinion. We have a handful of wide receivers who are rostered in less than 10% of league. I know one of them you'll be excited to talk about because he's a giant, uh, but, but I think all five of them have the potential to help this week, especially with six teams on a buy, and a couple of them could maybe even be their team's number one wide receiver. So I'm going to give you all five of the wide receivers rostered in less than 10% of the league. First, you can rank them and then tell me if you actually care about any of these guys and we'll then we'll spend some time on the giant justin watson is nine percent rostered he looks scored touchdowns in back-to-back games looks to be the number two wide receiver number three option maybe in the passing game there in kansas city isaiah hodgins six percent rostered Devonte parker five percent rostered he came back from his injury and guess what happened in the same game demario douglas got hurt i think Devonte parker if douglas doesn't get back is the number one for the patriots this week Jalen Guyton, 4% rostered, the number two behind only Keenan Allen. Of course, Keenan Allen gets half the targets, so it might not matter. And then A.T. Perry, 4% rostered, completely disappeared last week, despite the fact that everybody else got hurt. But still, he's 4% rostered, and he was a guy, I think it was Gibbs, maybe you also really liked this summer. No, just Gibbs. I'm not. just Gibbs. Gibbs liked his analytics. I didn't like his state, but yeah. Okay, so we've got Watson, Hodgins, Parker, Guyton, Perry. Let's just talk for this year now, and then we'll then we'll talk for beyond next. For this year, it's without a doubt for me, in a tier of his own among those guys, Watson. And okay. the reason I say that is because he's the only one who's playing regularly in my opinion, or will be playing regularly. Right. The Chiefs just love this guy. They just put him out there. They love this guy. Uh, he's been playing snap for a long time, Heath. I remember last year making arguments to some of my uh, Giants fans who are pro Daniel Jones and they were like Daniel Jones has no weapon I was like I'm like Justin Watson and MVS are running like 90% of the routes for the Chiefs <laughs> how are we going to talk about weapons here all right I mean but you know what Justin Watson seems to continue to work for them they like him as a blocker they like his I assume I don't really know I don't follow the Chiefs well enough to know that but I, that has my assumption he's a bigger guy and he does a decent job I think of like finding the soft spot in the zone and understanding zone coverage which right. is against the Chiefs all he- the time as odd as this sounds, Justin Watson does a better job of getting open than any other wide receiver on this team. And it's yeah, ridiculous. Somehow. Now, the problem yeah. is he can't catch. <laughs> yeah. um, but he he does. And and he has the trust. And I, I had this tweet, I think, it late in the Chiefs game when Rasheed Rice actually saw a target down the left sideline and he was completely covered. And I I, I added Jacob Gibbs and I think said, I think Rasheed Rice finally earned his trust badge. Because Justin Watson had that trust from Mahomes and from Andy Reid. And Rice, despite what he'd done so well, did not at all. And I, I so think Rice has that Heath, because that's literally and I saw he was on the show, you know, the show plan. It's literally what I discussed yesterday on, on FFT, the box beyond the box score. And I was going to talk about today. Right. That was the stop and go route back shoulder throw to Rasheed Rice. That shows an incredible level of trust in the receiver. And it shows a big time report to me. That's the aha moment for Mahomes and Rice. This is my as I, I discussed it on the show. I'm very big high on Rice rest of season. 
and at right. this point in dynasty as well. And that to me was a big moment because we hadn't seen that. I, I do think that Devonte Parker could matter down the stretch. We've seen him have these, these weird <laughs> games happy. where that, well, I, I don't know how long, like I, I think the problem is they would love to bench Mac, Mac Jones and they'll probably end up starting Bailey Zappi at some point. But as putrid as Mac Jones has been, he's a much better quarterback than Bailey Zappi. Somehow, is. some way. Yes. <laughs> Bailey Zappi <laughs> is worse at, game, at almost everything than Mac Jones. So five it targets is. for Parker in this game. And that was a game where Demario Douglas saw nine targets before he left. So if there's no Douglas, and we don't know, Douglas says he's not a concussion protocol. I thought that was an illegal hit, and there should be a fine or a suspension on that play. But it was a giant, so Dan probably disagrees. Um, <laughs> I, I think Parker's maybe looking at seven to nine targets in their next game if Douglas is out. I want to be as excited. I want to agree with you on that, Heath. But watching that offense, I don't see where, like, I just don't see targets coming in general. I don't see much of a forward passing attack unless if Mac Jones plays. There's more of a forward passing right. attack. Right. So and let's let's talk about these five again now beyond this year. Um, A.T. Perry, I think, has to be at the top. Do you care about anybody else or is Isaiah Hodgins at the top for you still? I did like Hodgins a lot coming into this year, but that quarterback situation remains murky and he just doesn't get enough snaps on the field. Um, so I wouldn't put him there. I don't really want to put A.T. Perry there either, though. I'm not, I just didn't like his tape at all at the collegiate level. Um and it wasn't like it was bad tape. He was productive. It was just like he he won in ways against right. AC. Parker's just, too old. We, we're not going to believe old. that Watson's going to matter next year. The Chiefs yeah. wouldn't do that. I guess Harry makes the most sense of the, of that group just based on right. the age. Unless you want to buy into Jalen Guyton, but I don't. I think the Chargers probably have other options as yeah. well. So we've got yeah. one tight end on the list, and I'm actually cheating. He's above 10% rostered, but it's only 14%. So he's still widely available. Jawan Johnson. Another guy who might see seven to nine targets this week because the Saints don't have any healthy wide receivers, just 14% rostered. He's actually currently, right now, projecting Chris Olave out, protecting, projecting Rashid Shahid out, projecting Michael Thomas. He's on IR, so he's not playing. I actually have Jawan Johnson projected as a top 12 tight end this week. Okay. I like that. I think that's a good rank there. I think Jawan Johnson has been good when he's been on the field, just a matter of finding a way into targets. And this mm -hmm. feels like the situation that could find himself a way into targets. So I'm, I'm, I'm on board with that. You're all right. Let's go. Let's talk some dynasty risers. Like we we're done with the Justin Watsons and the Isaiah Hodgins of the world. Let's talk about yeah. some guys we can actually get excited about. Uh, one of them did just recently did, did just come back from injury. Kyron Williams, the only running back on the list. I've been very, very, very skeptical of this guy. Early in the season, it seemed like it was all touchdowns. But, man, I he just about sold me this past week yeah, with what did. he did in the passing game. I don't actually know if he can stay healthy for a 17-game season as a lead running back, but I do believe that as of right now, it's very likely he's the starting running back for the Rams next year, and he's a top 12 running back rest of season as long as he's healthy. And so Kyron Williams moves from RB 21 for me up to RB 15 in dynasty. Wow. How are you feeling about Kyron Williams? I think that's a pretty fair move for you. And I think you're right. This was really the week that sold me on him. The, the thing is with Kyron Williams, this is what I was talking about yesterday. When we were talking about Puka Nakua rest of the season on beyond the box where it's like, honestly, the Rams might be operating this offense now through Kyron Williams. Cause it certainly looked like that last week and there are reasons for that people are like why would they do that they were so explosive in the past game early in the season well teams have caught up 
to their offensive line. Their offensive line does not pass protect the way it did at the beginning of the season. There's been injuries there. There's been situation there. And I just feel like they might feel like they have a better chance to operate the offense through a running back and through quick passing and things like that. And as far as Kyron Williams goes, Heath, I have a really funny dynasty. My favorite dynasty story ever involves Kyron Williams. So, and it just goes to show like why a, you should never veto a trade and B you should never be certain dynasty that one thing is right or not. So I'll be brief with this, but I'll bring it up last year around week four or five. Do you remember there was like some, some rumors and reports that Kyron Williams was going to work into the Rams offense. Mm -hmm. He never ultimately ended up doing it. The minute those reports and rumors happen, somebody in, in my, one of my dynasty leagues offered Traylon Burks at the time coming off, you know, as you know, he was recent first round pick wasn't as down for Kyron Williams. It went through the guy who obviously had had Kyron Williams snap accepted it. He had just picked him up off waivers. Snap accepted for Traylon Burks. Everyone in the league went nuts. They're like, how are you trading Traylon Burks for this guy, Kyron Williams? No one knows about him. You know, he wasn't drafted high. He's not even playing at all. Like, this is the worst trade I've ever seen. Traylon Burks, you just used your first round pick on Traylon Burks. This is unacceptable. Veto, veto, veto. No veto. We don't veto in our leagues. But, you know, everyone went nuts on that, Heath. And now we look at that trade now, and it's like, wait a second. Was the guy a genius? He traded Traylon Burks for Kyron Williams. He got destroyed by the league for it. But now he's the winner in this. So it's just a funny story and it just we talk about a lot in our group chat we're just like you know when when john did that everyone thought he was crazy but in the end like that's the fun thing about dynasty you can have your feeling on a player you can watch him you can think you see something and maybe he saw something with burks too that he didn't like and thought he'd always be injured that's part of it too but either way you just can't judge these trades i don't think at the surface level all right, we've got Tank Dell, and we'll, we'll be real quick on him. But we have we have a rule on FFG Dynasty, and you haven't been on since this rule was instituted. But we have to talk about okay. Tank Dell every week, every single week. Tank Dell gets a mention on the show, and he has moved up. You said he was now your wide receiver one in the class. He's he's very very close to that. I still technically have Puka two spots higher, but I, like I said, I think that tier of top five, you could make an argument for ranking them in any order that you want. Another monster performance. Oh, it was just five catches for 50 yards, and he does still have Nico Collins. He's now my wide receiver 11, which puts okay. him right behind the Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith range, but ahead of Drake London. Am I too high on Tank Dell yet? I don't think so, Heath. I don't think so. I mean, the tape at Houston was phenomenal. Won at all three levels, vertical, intermediate, underneath, wins against man coverage, wins on the outside and in the slot. That was true at Houston as well, though people said he would be a slot only. Carries it all over to the NFL and does it by building rapport with a rookie quarterback, which is important to me, Heath, because I feel like this is, you know, you can look at some of these receivers in Dynasty and wonder where they're going to be in two, three years, who they're going to have throwing footballs to them. You don't have to worry about that here with Tank Dell, and I think that's the biggest factor here. Stroud is here. He's going to stay, and that rapport is only going to get better and better and better. No one can defend Tank Dell. The only thing that could stop Tank Dell is injury, in my opinion. Absolutely. I love it. Now, his teammate, Nico Collins, they were, there was kind of a sentiment, and I, this happens sometimes, where I'm really excited about a guy, and then it feels like everybody moves past me on him. And that happened with Tank Dell going into this past week with Dell and Collins, because I liked Dell more than Collins after like week three or four but I, I really thought it was a 1A, 1B situation. Sure. We were having a conversation last week that Tank Bedell was a borderline number one and, and Nico was maybe a number three wide receiver. And then Nico is better than Tank Dell. Again, he was my wide receiver 29 in Dynasty up to wide receiver 20. Are you as encouraged about Nico Collins as I am? Or do you still think that he's really more of a number three wide receiver? No, I'm also as encouraged about Nico Collins. You, you know how I am with Dynasty, Nick. I mean, 
hate and with fantasy keep doing that it's unbelievable with fantasy and with dynasty i do follow the quarterbacks and i'm really to me it's really important who's playing quarterback as far as do i want pieces of this offense and i am a big believer in cj stroud at this point i don't see how you can't not be at this point Heath. so with that said nico collins another interesting story he wasn't as productive as tank dell was at the collegiate level played in a really bad michigan offense with bad quarterback play but similar to tank dell when they went down to the senior bowl heath they dominated their one-on-one -on -one reps. They dominated the team reps, and they were the talk of practice. And to me, that's always important because when you're at the Senior Bowl, you're facing the best of the best competition. You're facing actual corners who have a chance to play in the NFL, not some guys who, you know, as some people like to say, will be accountants uh, a few a few months later. So Nico Collins, great story, and I like his talent a lot. And so I'm I'm putting with CJ Stroud, I'm ranking him just as high as you are. We are going to. Uh... Jump in the middle of this segment here for some not breaking news, but some news that I do think has some. Oh, I this. It's it's a little bit relevant just because of the day of the week we are on yep. and the waiver wires coming up. And I know Zach Moss's roster rate already down to 71%. I would assume with six teams on a buy, there's some people thinking about dropping him this week for those bi-week replacements. Ian Rappaport tweeting out that he's suffered a, an injured thumb that is requiring further evaluation and puts his status in doubt going forward. More info coming, all options considered. He played the entire second half with the injury, so it might not keep make him miss time, but we can't drop Zach Moss, and we're adding Zach Moss if he was dropped in any of our leagues, right? 100%. We've already seen what Moss can do when Taylor's not on the field. And we'll see what happens. Said to put, uh, According to Rapport, it puts the status of doubt, though he did play through it. So I'm not exactly sure what that means. Um, and I don't know if it's something that will ultimately require surgery, if he can play through it until then. But Moss should definitely be rostered in all leagues. If you're a contender with Taylor and you've got this news, uh, he is still young enough to where you view him as like right behind that Bijan Gibbs, Brees Hall range right at running back, right? So it's not somebody 100%. that you're trying to sell off so you can go win the league this year. Still too young and, and under contract, which is important as well. With, an, I, with Anthony Richardson coming back, that offense could be even more exciting. Now, I did see one thing that I thought was interesting in the box score, and not knowing this, it was a little bit baffling to me. We didn't see a target for Jonathan Taylor in, the, in his most recent game. We saw Zach Moss's... In, involvement in the offense bounce back up a little bit do you think possibly we're seeing taylor as just a non pp if, if this is a thumb injury where he can he can hold the ball but he can't catch the ball that could really hurt his ppr value yeah it could definitely change the involvement they have for him in the passing game and how often they want to feature him in that role versus just you know the dump downs or the check downs or when you get through the progression to get through him and if he's going to be not featured on as many pass designs in the first read that will definitely hurt him. And maybe maybe we should look at him as more of a non-PPR asset. And I will just say, as far as Zach Moss goes, because he's probably, still, like I said, he's 71% rostered in Dynasty Leagues. He's, they're deeper rosters. He's probably still rostered in those. If he's not, he's definitely a must-add. If he is still rostered, I'd be offering a third-round pick for him. And if something happens and they say Taylor's actually going to miss time, I'd be offering a second round pick for yeah. him because Zach Moss, on a in terms of rate stats, has been one of the better rushers in the NFL this year. And if Taylor misses time, Moss is going to see twenty to twenty five touches a game again. Yeah, not only just rate stats, he's been throughout his entire career, including this season, one of the best at creating yards after contact. So it's something that really he's done a great job of. He's got great contact balance.
So again, just to clarify, we don't know that Jonathan Taylor is going to be this time. He he hurt his thumb during their most recent game. He played through the injury in the second half. Ian Rappaport says all options are on the table. He could miss time. They're getting further evaluation. Make sure Zach Moss is rostered in your league. Maybe go offer a third-round pick for him just to see if you can get him on your bench, whether you have Taylor or not, because Moss would be a must-start top 12 running back without Jonathan Taylor. Let's get back to the risers and fallers. Rasheed Rice, there's no fallers. We're going to do a different segment for that. Rasheed Rice and Jaden Reed, I'm going to pair these two together. I had Rice at wide receiver 34, Reed at wide receiver 44. I've got Rice at wide receiver 28, Reed at wide receiver 34. So the gap maybe shrunk just a little bit, but both of them top 36 dynasty wide receivers. Are we getting close to the point to where they're probably not ever going higher than this in their career? Like, do these guys don't actually have the ability to jump into that top 15 conversation, do they? I would say the answer is, uh, well, different for both those receivers. Okay. For Rasheed Rice, I think there is that we are not at his ceiling by any means. I brought it up a little bit earlier, but that moment, that aha moment where he runs that stop and go route, and then it's a back shoulder throw from Mahomes along the left sideline last week. I was like, damn, like because most of the game I watched Rasheed Rice for beyond the box or most of the game Heath was screen, screen, screen. The first three targets are screens <laughs> or or backside drag, like use him on an underneath drag, and those are really only the routes he was running. And then I see him run that type of route that requires timing, that requires rhythm, that requires concentration from his standpoint but also just like confidence from the quarterback standpoint and i'm thinking like i don't know are we at the point heath where there could be that big time breakout coming and then we're like because i'll tell you why if we do get what i think could happen with she rice which is a nice really great stretch run in this fantasy playoffs what do you think is going to happen to his dynasty value heath you know how people react to mahomes receivers you know everyone's been waiting hard sky more envy anyone Please find us somebody who, you know, outside of Travis Kelsey, who Patrick Mahomes will want to get the football to on a consistent basis. And when you find that, if that does emerge, he's going to shoot up the rankings for everyone. So I don't think he's close. As far as Jaden Reed goes, I did like his tape at Michigan State. He does a great job of getting open. He's one of those guys who's better on film than he is in the combine. He didn't run a great 40. But what's the ceiling for that type of receiver? You know, maybe like a super light version of Keenan Allen is the total ceiling super light, but I don't totally see that either. Uh, I think more along the lines of like a slot guy that is more of a PPR asset moving forward. I don't think there's too much more for him to rise. Okay. I, I, and I, and I'm, again, I came into the year more skeptical of Rishi rice. Me too. And so he has really changed my opinion. You're probably right that if I liked Rishi rice coming into this year, I'd already have him ranked higher than this. And so he's he's shown some things I didn't expect. Let's take a short break. Then we're going to get to contender by low or it's over. What a great name for a segment. And then after that, we will get to your questions. So you can go ahead and start filling up the chat with those. So I have six guys here and we pretty much already talked about Josh Dobbs. So we'll, we'll make it five guys here, Dan, that I'm trying to decide if, if I'm a contender. They've not been quite what they were. And I know that the guy who has them, if they've been eliminated from the playoffs now, is very worried about what's coming next year. So do I try to buy these guys low, or are they just going to sabotage my team in the playoffs? The first one is not a name that anybody expected to see on this list. It's Austin Eckler. But at his age, any sort of drop-off at all could be the end. Is it over for Austin Eckler, or do you think he finishes strong as a top-five running back? This is a tough one for me, Heath. I'm not exactly sold on it. Uh, there's so many reasons that, you know, like 
part of what made Austin Eckler Austin Eckler for these last few years in fantasy, I believe, was having Joe Lombardi as his offensive coordinator. I seriously do believe that because you just look at the involvement that that dude had in the offense with Lombardi and versus what he has now with Kellen Moore. And it's not going to go back to that. No OC is ever going to go back to what Lombardi did. No one's going to come in and tell, you know, even if they fired Staley and they sure as hell should, the next coach they bring in for Justin Herbert, it's not going to be like, let's go back to that dink and dunk offense with Justin Herbert's arm talent. Yeah, let's not go back to vertical and intermediate throws. So the PPR part of it is down for me long-term. And and there might not be a long-term for Austin Eckler. There might not be a long-term for Austin Eckler in this offense. Injuries have piled up. I think it's it's very well could be over. Uh, Aaron Jones, who's currently injured, and we don't know exactly when he's coming back, also at the age where he just might not have a job next year. Uh, Any hope at all in buying low? No, and I really regret a trade I made earlier in Dynasty on a contending team, and I'm sure you can bash me for this real quick. It was Tajay Spears and Josh Palmer in a third-round pick for Aaron Jones earlier this season, and now that, it looks That's okay. It's, I, I've it's made much worse this year. Much. Yeah, but like, I want Tajay back. He's awesome, and now I don't have him, and all. what do I get? Aaron Jones at 29 years old? He might not even be on the – what team is he even going to – like? so it's over. It's over. It's it's over for Aaron Jones. DeAndre Hopkins has not had more than four catches in a game with Will Levis. Now, Hopkins is at that age where it could be over, but I also think there's more reason to be optimistic about next year for him than the two running backs we've talked about. Any interest in buying Hopkins or it's over? No, I, I completely agree with your sentiment on this. There is more interest in, uh, than those two running backs. And I would say yes. I mean, we don't know. But it's just a matter of who's going to be throwing in the football next year, in my opinion. That really is going to determine. Because here's the thing with Hopkins. He does age better than some of these other receivers. He doesn't rely on his speed. He doesn't rely as much on his athleticism. He relies on his savviness as a route runner. He's incredibly strong hands and his body control. These are things that aren't going to go away with age. So I have a little more faith in, in Hopkins. Okay, Cooper Cup, and this is another name that we didn't think, but this has been a major, major faller for me in Dynasty this year. And part of it's the fact that Bukunuku has emerged. Part of it's the fact that Cooper Cup cannot stay healthy. And then, of course, we've got this thing, and and I wish I can remember who said it from last year or the year before, but like this idea that Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup may all be walking away at the same time together. And, And two of them look like they could walk away at any moment uh any chance that cooper cup is a top 12 wide receiver again or is it over (sighs) top 12 i still think there's a chance for it i mean there's it really just depends on can he get a healthy stretch with stafford right then there's a chance for it because we we know that rapport is there right it's just a matter of can they you know, stay on the field. And they both be healthy. Yes. Right. Would, let's say you're a contender and I'm, I I mean, you're not a contender in this league, but in the Bakeburger no. dynasty league, Cooper cup is going on the trade trade block very, very soon. And what are you going to look for? That's my question for you. But, what well, are you trying I, to get? That's, that's the problem is I certainly don't want to take a, a, a late second round pick for right? him. Yeah. And I don't think I have any chance of getting a late first round pick for him. So not I anymore. think what you're looking for is maybe a combination of that late second and a rookie that hasn't yeah. quite been great yeah, yet. Like a Marvin Maybe, I would hope to do a little bit better than that. Okay. But yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm gonna be I'm probably just gonna hold on to Cooper Cup if the answer is a second round, a late second Marvin Mims. Yes. It'd be have to be someone I thought that I might be able to start next year. But uh and then the last one is like we got to finish with it. We started with the Giants. We'll finish Dan with the Giants. Darren Waller. I don't expect that he's going to play again this year. But he might after he's seen Tommy DeVito sling the ball around. (laughs) 
what 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 is your hope for Darren Waller next year? What a sad state of affairs when Tommy DeVito is genuinely potentially better option for the Giants at at least throwing the football downfield versus Daniel Jones, their guy they just paid a lot of money. But yikes on that front. But as far as Darren Waller goes, here's the thing. It is similar to Cooper Cup, in my opinion. Like It's like when he was on the field this year, especially toward the end, he was starting to look really, really good. They're starting to get involved. Tyrod Taylor was really featuring him in the offense. I mean, Daniel Jones couldn't do for whatever reason. Um, And what are you laughing at? I'm just laughing. Like it's just I made the joke about Tommy DeVito, but it is actually just fact, not even a joke, that he was yeah. better with Teron Taylor. I know. Uh it's bad. <laughs> but so and I still think like this offense is so curtailed to maximizing Waller's skills. That's why they made the trade mm-hmm. for him and you saw it on tape. So there's still examples of it. It's just a matter of like Okay, we go into next year. He's a year older. It's another year that was marred by injuries, right? It's just one of these players that just keeps having injuries pile up. So I think it's a fair assessment to say it's over and you should look this out. So I wouldn't be screwed up in a league because I could have sold him for a second round pick in like week two or three and I didn't. Would you take a second for him now? Yes. Okay, so that's that's pretty that's pretty much over. All right, we've got uh, that segment's over as well, but this show is not. We've got ten minutes here to answer your dynasty questions. If we get desperate enough, I might do some of the this week questions that I see in the chat. But I'd really yeah. prefer to answer <laughs> dynasty questions, especially for all those people who are going to be listening to the podcast and not in the chat right now. They want to hear dynasty questions, not your starter sit questions for week thirteen. Dan, what would you give up? For Jamar, Jamar Chase, if you're a contender, and I think this is a really interesting question because as a contender, contender. I'm actually thinking more if I have Chase, I might, can I, can I see if I, if the CD Lamb manager who is not contending would rather have Chase and I could have CD Lamb because I don't think Chase is a guaranteed top 12 wide receiver rest of the season. What would you give up for Chase if you're a contender? We're in the exact same boat there, Heath. I think what we saw last week, four for 88, actually sadly might be one of the best games we see from Jamar Chase with Browning. Uh, if you look at the game, it was a lucky the, the fact that he even had four for 88 was lucky. A ball was like mm-hmm. tipped in the air and like Chase caught it and took it for 33. It's ugly there. Browning is not an NFL quarterback. So I would, what would I give up Chase for if I'm a contender? I think, you know, no, give up four. To- you give up four Chase. I think it's, what would you give up Chase for? So like, oh, I'm sorry. Good, good. Yeah. Yeah. CD Lamb. Like he, so then I think what he said, you got to look for a top receiver like CD Lamb. Cause here's the thing. Like if you, you don't want to, it's a dynasty league. You want to keep Chase on your roster long term. Mm -hmm. He's got Burrow. But if you're able, if you're able to dangle the fact that, look, you take Chase now, you're not a contender. You're playing for next year. I'm giving you one of the best assets in dynasty. I need something that's going to help me win right now. Like, CD Lamb. You don't want to go for like a Tyree Kill because he doesn't have that many years left. Really, right. the only option I think would be like CD Lamb. I don't. Lamb's think the only Brown, one. Maybe would you consider? Yeah, Lamb's the only one that I would do. Looking at it on a pretty close to straight up, I think there's two other guys that if I could get just a lesser starter with them and be AJ Brown and ARSB. Like those three are kind of in a different tier. If I'm dropping down to the next tier of the Jalen Waddle or Devontae Smith or somebody in that range, then I'm going to need two really good starters to trade away Jamar Chase. It's going to it's going to have to be that guy plus another good starter or major upgrade to a different position. Can I ask you a question for Dynasty? This is similar to the this is involving the Chase. I had two. I had an offer involving Chase. I in I on a team where I had won the past two years and my team just fell off with injuries. I'm no longer contender. A contender offered me. Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase in a super flat. No, it's two QB, 10 team dynasty. Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase for 
Justin Herbert, Tyree Kill, and Travis Kelsey. Would you have done that trade? You're not contending? I'm not contending. I think it's a gift. You thought it was a gift. Okay. I, he took it off the table within like an hour, and so I didn't, you know, right. I, didn't, I didn't actually get a chance to do it. He, he changed his mind on it. I wasn't even as sold, though, when I first saw it, so maybe I made a mistake. When I first saw it, I was like, really, all this? I'm still giving, I'm giving Kelsey. I just, it's hard for me to want it because – Look, I'm not contending this year, but a lot of that is because I had Justin Jefferson. Right. Uh, like when, like you I'm have Justin Jefferson, yeah. you have a chance. To, I, if you have a chance to walk in the next year with Jamar Chase and I Justin know. Jefferson, I like I would give up a lot for that. <laughs> I might, I might just tear down an entire team just to have those two <laughs> and draft around them for the next decade. So yeah, yes, I, I would I have do that. Regrets. I have regrets. We'll see. <laughs> Brian has a question. He's in a 14-team league with only four bench spots. That's interesting. Needs an, a running back. He has Jonathan Taylor and Travis Etienne. He might need two running backs. Uh, would you trade Debo or Waddle? And for what running back? He can get Pacheco, or should he aim higher? Definitely aim higher if you're trading away Jalen Waddle. He already has Justin Jefferson, T. Higgins, and Marquise Brown. If you're a contender, I might see what you could do with Higgins to get a lesser running back. But would you trade Debo for Isaiah Pacheco? In Dynasty, no, I would not personally. Um, but I do like the idea of dangling Higgins. I think that's the best bet in Dynasty. You're a contender. You don't need Higgins rest of season. You can sell Higgins as he's got Joe Burrow, even though we don't know if he'll even be there next year. We'll see what happens on that front. But I think Higgins is your best bet for, for trying to sell to get a running back. Now, you're not going to get back like a Pacheco in that regard, but you might be able to get back like a Brian Robinson or something, you know, a player like that. Right. I, I think that Higgins or Debo should be able to get you Pacheco. Okay. Um, I would want a little bit more than Pacheco. See if you can get him to throw in like a second round pick or something, or maybe just a small upgrade somewhere else where you get a little bit older, but get better somewhere else. But Debo is definitely the one I'd be looking to trade in that situation. I don't think Pacheco is a bad target. Another guy in that range, like if you want to look a little bit older, because I'm not sure people view Pacheco as having a longer leash than I think is realistic. He is exactly the profile of a running back who could get replaced at any moment. Um, I, I wonder if you could get like a Javante Williams, who is someone I just traded for recently, still just 23. I think probably at least going to be a starter next year. Um, but yeah, that someone in that range, or if you wanted to go really old, like you might, you might be able to get Austin Eckler. If a guy's not a contender, True. so something something like that is a second round pick, Dan, too much to pay for Hollywood Brown in a soft rebuild. So round two pick or Hollywood Brown, what do you prefer? I think in a soft rebuild, I, I would prefer Hollywood Brown. Yeah, I mean, that's one where it, it sounds like I would as well. And I, I do have Hollywood valued more than a round two pick. It, it gets a lot closer, though. When you say soft rebuild, what's your pick looking like this year? Because yeah. if it's a 10-team league and you've got pick 11 or 12, right. I'm not sure. But in a 12-team league where you're picking in the middle of round two, yeah, I'd definitely rather have Hollywood than that round two pick. Would you trade? Here's some Jonathan Taylor news, not news, but a question. Would you trade Mixon for Zach Moss if you're a Jonathan Taylor manager with the injury news? That that sounds like it could actually be a uh, a redraft question for for Dynasty. I definitely would not. I would not for Dynasty. Yeah, if it's for redraft, probably still wouldn't. Oh yeah, another Joe. Everybody's trying to trade Joe Mixon away, and I understand why. He just had like 14 yards. Yeah. 
trade Joe Mixon on a contending team? If so, for what the problem with this is that Joe Mixon is not the type of guy that that a rebuilder is looking for at all. (laughs) Right. Another guy who might like, yes, if you can, you should try to. And I would say almost any starter I'd be okay with. Um, I'd rather have Jerome Ford than Joe Mixon in dynasty. And somebody might think, well, Joe Mixon's going to start next year. Jerome Ford's just a, a rent a player. Where I is do- he going to start, Joe Mixon? Right. Jerome Ford is going to be an asset for the Browns for years to come. I know Chubb's coming back, but like, where's Mixon going to start? I don't know. I don't know who's offering a starting job after this. Don has a good question. Thoughts on Trey Palmer in Dynasty? That's a guy we definitely haven't talked enough about who yeah. has done way more than what his draft capital would have suggested in his rookie season. I don't, it's, he says, especially if Evans or Godwin move on. I don't believe Evans or Godwin are going anywhere next year, especially Evans, oh. since they didn't want to trade him. Oh, but wow. they, they, every indication out of Tampa is they expect Mike Evans to retire a Buccaneer and go into the Hall of Fame as a Buccaneer with 17 straight 1,000-yard seasons. But, you know where I want him to go, right? Kansas City. Yeah, I've been saying that for a while. Yes. I uh, with Patrick Mahomes. I don't think that's happening. What are your thoughts on Trey Palmer, though? Yeah, Trey Palmer, really. thanks for the question, Don. And Trey Palmer is a really interesting prospect. When I watched him, a lot of speed, played in a system that didn't do a good job of getting him the football, no quarterback play, run first, bad system there. I think that type of speed is worth investing in Dynasty. He's, it's kind of more in the range of like the Tyler Scott, who I love, but hasn't really done much yet. And uh, Tucker, I believe, uh, Trey Tucker, the the wide receiver on, on Las Vegas, who also has that kind of game-breaking speed to beat man coverage over the top. I like him. He's somebody I would definitely invest in in Dynasty. Brock Purdy or Jordan Love for next year? Now, this is a good time for me to to update my Brock Purdy take because Adam was giving me a hard time last night about not believing in Brock Purdy at the beginning of the season. And yes, he was Mr. Irrelevant who played six really good games in the most efficient system in the NFL. I did not believe in Brock Purdy coming into this year. I have completely bought into Brock Purdy. And I think if he wins, if his 49ers win this Sunday, he should be the MVP favorite. I would much rather have Brock Purdy over Jordan Love for next year and the rest of their careers. Do you agree? Completely agree. I've been on the Purdy train forever. He's my most rostered player in redraft this year. I just think that the film showed it, and he's been great on tape this year. I mean, the throw he made to Ayuk at the end of the game against the Seahawks was a throw that I think like I see four or five quarterbacks maybe in the NFL making on a on a game like even in a year. I don't see that happening. He throws with anticipation. He has a great job seeing and processing the field post snap, and he actually has a little bit of movement that people don't give him credit for. Like I like when he gets out of the pocket and then throws downfield. He always keeps his eyes downfield when he's rolling um and even take some rushing yards occasionally i just purdy for me for sure in this regard as a contender from josh that is overall weakest at wide receiver what would your expectations be if looking to trade dj Moore and justin fields and i would assume that we're talking about a one quarterback league because otherwise i don't know how you're trading justin fields as a contender right now so dj Moore and justin fields uh, how how high do you think you can aim right now dan uh, at receiver, is he looking for a receiver? Obviously, to upgrade, that's his weakest position. I'm trying to think like dynasty wise, what's a great, what's a great? Because here's the thing, I've been, I, I have more in a couple leagues, and I've had some low ball offers from. You'd be shocked at how young DJ Moore is. Heath, how old do you think DJ Moore is? Twenty six. Yeah, you're exactly right. But I mean, most people think of DJ Moore as having been in the NFL for a lot longer and would. You got to remember that the, the DJ Moore roller coaster I've been on over that the last you. Eight, you are months. DJ Moore. He is DJ Moore. I forgot. <laughs> you know everything about this guy. You know where he was born. You know what high school he went to. But yeah, so like DJ Moore to me is still a really good D- dynasty asset. Incredible talent. Twenty six years old. I would need 
trying to think what kind of receiver I would need to get back for him and Fields. I'd have to look at I'd have to look at your dynasty rankings. I, I would I'm looking at the trade chart right now, yeah. and there there's a couple of guys, and I don't like I don't know what the odds are that Tyreek Hill's on a team that's not contending. So I, that's probably True. not realistic. True. He's probably made any team he was on a contender, but it's that's the type of range I'm looking at. Stephon Diggs. I think you're looking for one of those 28, 29, 30 year old wide receivers who have been truly elite. Maybe. I mean, I think Keenan Allen might be the number one wide receiver in fantasy the rest of the year. You would need quite a bit more included with him for me to make right. that deal because Allen's so old and it's really just a win-now move. But I think it is a, a, a big-time push-all-the-way-in win-now move. I would just need something in addition to him. Stephon Diggs is the one that I think fits the best. As yeah, if he's Stephon on a non-contender. Stephon yeah. Diggs. They should be getting rid of him. Let's let's take this from a, a week-to-week and a uh, – this is definitely a week-to-week question, but I do want to get your thoughts on Pat Fryermuth. So this says Laporta, Taysom, or Fryermuth for tight end. I think we both agree it's Sam Laporta this week, it's Sam Laporta rest of the season, it's Sam Laporta in Dynasty. Yes. But Pat Fryermuth has had such an interesting start to his career. First year of his career, he's touchdown monster. Second year, all kinds of targets, but the touchdowns disappear – hurt and does almost nothing and then has this monster nine for 120 game do you view how how far do you have Muth behind that trey mcbride range of the emerging young tight ends not too far behind but it's only because i've been a high high on fire Muth for for years now i love his talent i love his ability and what he's displayed on tape what it what i'm not making an overreaction to heath is what he did on tape last week and what he did <laughs> right. on the box score last because that was so scheme dependent. The Bengals played too high the entire game. The Steelers just utilized the seam and they just had a really good game plan to attack that style of defense. They're not going to face that a lot though. They're, they're going to face different coverages. And so I don't know how much of a feature he's going to be moving forward, but he's such a good talent and he's so good at getting open. In my opinion, like just has that natural knack and ability, like a Travis Kelsey type of beating zone coverage and understanding where the space is on the field. Okay, so last question before we uh, before we get out of here because it's Tank Dell question. Oh, you know, we've Tank. only talked we've only talked about Tank Dell once. How many firsts should you get for trading away Tank Dell? Corey asks. Should I even be questioning to trade Tank Dell? I think you should be questioning to trade Tank Dell. To be completely honest with you, I mean, look, I get it. He's five foot eight. That's why nobody liked him in the first place. But have we learned already that this doesn't matter? Like, how? What am I gonna? Have, what are we gonna have to do to learn this? Like, you can get injured at any size, and you can miss games at any size. Um, and Tank Dell does everything in the NFL. He wins against man coverage. He wins as an, as an outside receiver. He wins as a slot. He wins against press. Like, he's just displayed it all with CJ Stroud as quarterback. So I wouldn't trade him personally. Two firsts. Two first? Okay, I'll trade him for two first. I <laughs> that's, mine and that's that's what I want to finish on is I'm trying to change Dan's mindset <laughs> into this. No, there's no way to make a deal to yeah. what is the deal? Like what, <laughs> what's the deal? The one first that's why you're a much better dynasty <laughs> player than Heath. It's a good lesson to learn for anyone listening to this show. Like you should always be thinking the way he thinks. Like, what is a deal? Not I can't trade this guy. I love this guy. I don't want to move him from my roster because sometimes I fall into that trap. I really do. Like anytime I have Mahomes, I have Mahomes in two super flex leagues. I'm not trading Mahomes. You can offer me whatever the hell you want. He won't leave my roster, but that's not the right way to think about it. There is always a price and you should be looking to get the best price if you can. So I like that lesson. Heath. hopefully I can take that in stride and, and change my ways. Dan, thank you for always being so complimentary. Thank you for coming back to the show. Everyone loved having you here. Thank you for you guys in the chat for your question. There were a lot of questions we didn't get to. We will have at least one mailbag coming up pretty soon to answer as many questions as we can. And for sure, we will talk to you next Tuesday.